Well, I, I'm not too worried if a machine is saying ball red I I I U. Please the other... uh, talk to me, by the way. Yeah, just ignore the camera. Okay. Yeah. I not too worried. <laughs> well, I don't think it's scary if a machine is just sort of babbling like a baby. If it's saying eyeball I me me you, and the other one's saying red eyeball me yes you, it's not. It doesn't seem especially sinister. Uh, but the 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 layman's takeaway is. Obviously. Well, the fact we like the idea of a machine being something where you tell it what to do and then that's exactly what it does. And sometimes it makes people uneasy when you see machines evolving and learning and in some sense programming themselves. But that's sort of what machines have to do if they're going to get anywhere with evolving to intelligence. Now, I just talked with Mr. Sappho and he, he mentions, you know, the difference between big AI and narrow AI and that we have all these devices around our house and in our world that we're kind of getting used to right. that in their own way are learning and, mm -hmm. and doing this just on a, on a scale that doesn't make us imagine Skynet. Right. Uh, well, there's a lot of AI is, you know, there's, there's like small tricks that we use to do special things, like to recognize signatures like most mail in the post office there's like little ai devices that read the signature read the handwritten address the the big problem uh the sort of top banana the golden ring is a, a machine that would talk like a person and understand what you're doing and whether we're ever going to get there it's it's always supposed to be 20 years off it's one of those things it's like fusion it's always 20 years in the future. Now, you're, amongst other things, you're a, sort of a science fiction guy. Yes, I'm one of the original cyberpunk science fiction writers. And I published a book called Software in 1980. And at that time, that, that wasn't even a word that anybody knew, software. It was, and I had just heard it in Scientific American. But the idea behind the book was that you might be able to extract someone's personality and then put it onto a robot and the robot would behave like them. And at the time that was, nobody had used that idea. It took me a year to think about it. And now you see it in almost every, every TV show practically. It's a very common idea. I, I, I don't know, I, what does it say about us that when, whenever artificial intelligence comes up, uh, people, again, don't look at the, the, the small examples that are in front of us, but people sort of almost reflexively reach for science fiction and, and, and fictional tales to sort of imagine what this is going to look like. Well, science fiction, it's, uh, it's sort of lets you step back from the world a, a few feet and, and kind of look at it a little bit from the outside. And it's also, um, my education was as a mathematician. And so in mathematics, you get these axioms and you try to deduce things from them. And science fiction is a little bit like that in that you set up this story and you have these sort of ideas that you think, what if we had this, what if we had this? And then you sort of let it cook in there in a story or in a novel and you, you sort of let see what grows out of that. And it sometimes takes a while to see what results from some ideas. That's why going at length and creating a narrative is, is a good way. Sometimes futurologists use that similar technique. They write scenarios, but... With science fiction, though, we want it to be a little funkier. Uh, I, the first question I asked Sappho was, you know, if last week 
Musk and Zuckerberg are having a public spat over what artificial intelligence does or doesn't mean for for us, and, or you know, if there's a degree of danger or something. And then this week we had this sort of reaction to this this Facebook sort of mm-hmm. anecdotal thing. You know, I asked him. You know, is is are we about getting to the point where this is going to become part of what goes on in our world? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it coming at us like, you know, the autonomous car kind of is? Mm-hmm. In a way? That's kind of amazing that we really are getting an autonomous car. It's amazing that you carry in your pocket, you know, a smartphone and you have the, the global encyclopedia of all human knowledge, Wikipedia or Google search. You know, it's all right there, and so these things do happen and. They sort of creep up on us. Now, whether we could get really intelligent uh, things in the cloud, uh, I don't think it's impossible. The, there's, so let's feel this idea there's going to be some sort of magic formula, some insight about how intelligence works, but I think it'll more that they'll just beat it to death with big data and you know extreme computation, neural networks, you know, all the, the buzzwords. People hear about this and immediately imagine a, a Terminator scenario where, where, where we, someone in a lab finally creates something and, it, and it's, you know, like, I, I kind of think of it as like the, remember when they had the, the super collider in Europe and mm-hmm. there was this idea that... The black hole. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like that, that sort of yeah. kind of thing erupts out of, a, out of a lab and we, you know, and then, you know, Terminator. Well, it's, I like that California, the Terminator was our governor. I mean... I, I worked for many years teaching at San Jose State, and I thought it was nice to know that there's somebody who actually knew what science fiction was who was kind of employing me indirectly. Now, whether and whether the AIs are going to be malevolent, well, realistically, we're already the slaves of computers. I mean, you spend all your time upgrading your machine, fixing it when it's broken, buying a new one. You know, it's just really a lot of your time. It's like we're these these uh, grooms for these very fussy animals or, or dogs. We're uh, continually taking care of them. They, they really couldn't ask more than what we give them, you know. <laughs> I mean, we multiply them, we're producing them. So it's not like the computers would suddenly turn on us and say, you're not doing enough, you know. Well, I mean, we, we have a president like that, but maybe the computers wouldn't, wouldn't act that way. Where do I mean, what does the the next big change look like? You know, you know Safa mentioned how we, you know, the, the biggest AI problem you might ever have is that your your freezer decides to not give you dessert or something. You know, sort of like a, a, an appliance in your house sort of gets a mind of its own and, and, and doesn't want. Well, that's that's a, there's a big annoyance factor in that. I mean, just in the low level thing, like your car will start beeping because it thinks you did something wrong, you know, and then it won't stop. You know, it's it's very annoyance factor. And, but I think the, the big AI is, uh, I think we're going to get closer to it. It's, it's coming. But uh, I don't think it'll be a bad thing necessarily. It'll be, uh, you know, a voice in the sky that talks to you. <laughs> is, that, is that a good thing? <laughs> it's not so different. I mean... You go on the net and you talk to people all the time. Like a lot of my social life is in cyberspace now, you know, with Twitter, email, yeah, Facebook. Just about everyone. Yeah, and uh, if there are vectors out there that were not actually human, they were more like bots or programs talking to me, I, I don't see that that would have to be a bad thing. 
uh, I mean, I don't have to obey them, but if they were to analyze things and say interesting things to me, it's maybe not so different from reading a, a newspaper's, you know, a newspaper's feed. I mean, there's these people saying things, and you don't necessarily agree with them, but it's interesting. Science fiction. I, I can't remember where I heard or, or saw this said, but it's always stuck with me. I've always thought it's, it's a, a fantastic thought that that uh, your your predecessors, right? That, like the guys who made old pulp comics and the mm -hmm. early science fiction movies, even mm -hmm. put things on film. Someone said, you know, these are guys that could imagine that could imagine in one moment uh, that people are going to a different galaxy or, or you know or, or mm -hmm. time travel and all these things. They can imagine that, and yet their spaceship, they controlled with knobs sure. and wheels. And so, and so you, you can on one hand imagine the big idea, mm -hmm. but that, that was like, you know, mind-blowing. And I, I wonder if there's going to be an element like that to AI where we, we, can, we can sit here and imagine Skynet, and yes. yet we don't imagine... Something small and, and useful and nice that it does. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good idea. Uh, Again, it can be something that talks to you. One, we have a, it's so easy for us to forget how much things have changed in even the last 30 years. And then we try to extrapolate 30 years from now. And it just, everything will be different again. We, you know, we won't have the cell phones that we're poking all the time. There'll be some other kind of interface. I mean, that's where it would be nice to have AI, where uh, it would be something that would talk to you. I mean, just that. Uh, which, the way you describe it, doesn't sound intrusive or threatening at all. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm a computer scientist, so I'm not very scared of computers. It's more like you get a friendly contempt for them. You know, they're, they're really, they're not that great, you know. They're just machines, you know, and they're not going to be this magical, evil, dark power. It's not going to be as bad as people think. I mean, there are annoying things, but a lot of those annoying things are... They're being sort of done by bureaucracies. You know, like when... Or you, you get help from a store, and then 10 seconds later they send you an email wanting you to fill out a long form evaluating, you know, how helpful their help was. It's just these obnoxious data data mining things that people do to you. And that's not necessarily the fault of the computer programs. It's the uses that they're being put to. Uh, another Sappho idea was the, in the narrow AI world, that you you build something that learns, but you get unexpected results. And, and, and he said again, I guess to your point, that that might be more of a nuisance for us than an than a existential threat. Well, there's different ways. If things do interesting things that you weren't expecting, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, and again, there's no, there's a, this whole theory that it's actually impossible, even in theory, to write down a program that would act like your mind. It's sort of like you can't stand outside yourself. You can't stand on your own shoulders. We're not able to conceive of a program as smart as we are. The only way we can create one is to let it evolve. Now, that's how it came, we came into the world, uh, millions of years of evolution. Now, the problem is, we're trying to do these things in just 10 years, you know, and it, 
it's not really going to happen. It's not really that practical. But if we get the web, if we get like a planet-sized computer, we're sort of linking everything together in the cloud, then maybe we can evolve something that's pretty decent in a realistic amount of time. Uh, I don't know. What, what do people get wrong about this? I mean, as, as someone who's thought about this and from your sort of science fiction, like when, you, when you see these articles about that, what do you think people are missing? Well, they're missing that the that chaos is good. That's what they don't get. They always think they're we want to have this robotic control of things and just things go exactly like we planned. And nothing in the world is like that. Life isn't like that. Art isn't like that. Things don't go according to a plan. And we need to accept that it's okay for computers to be evolving in weird ways and just dance with them, enjoy what they're doing. As opposed to having an irrational fear, you would say. That's right. Uh, I don't know. Um Anything else come to mind? Anything else that, you know, when you when you, you talk with smart people, I'm sure, about stuff like this, you know, what what, what are smart people out there? I mean, let's take fucking Musk and Zuckerberg out of the equation for a second. You know, what, is, what are smart people saying about this? And like... About AI? Yeah. I mean, how does it... You know, again, like, you know, fit, fit, I, I, when I was in college, I didn't even have a cell phone. Right. Like I'm old enough to have gone through school where the internet was, was sort of an idea when I was in college. I, like, if you had told me about an iPhone my freshman year of college, I would. It, it would have been science fiction. You know what? What is like that for us in 20 years? In the okay, I'll, the far out thing that we haven't right quite grasped yet is that any physical object can act like a computer. The thing is, they talk about quantum computation. And if you take a rock, a rock is like an octillion particles, and they're connected by forces like springs, and they're vibrating. And so clearly, something that complicated, it could do information processing. And we just haven't learned how to talk to the rock and have it talk back to us. And eventually we'll figure that out, and everything around us will be, in effect, alive. We won't have these crappy chips, you know, won't be using that anymore. Just all the matter in the world would be we can tune in on it. There's a... Uh, Unpack that for me a little bit. Well, there's a, there's a word, a Greek word called hylozoism. And hylo is matter, and zoe is like alive. So it was a belief that people held in the past, and then in the uh, Industrial Revolution, people began thinking that machines are what's really important. And they got away from the idea that just any regular piece of matter is, in some sense, doing an immense amount of computation and is, in a sense, intelligent and alive. And that's the thing. There's all this stuff that we haven't gotten to yet. What is dark matter? You know, what's under the quantum level? And if we look where we've come in 100 years, 100 years ago we didn't have, we hardly had any science, you know? There was like nothing, you know? barely had chemistry, didn't have relativity, didn't have radio. And then, uh, so there's this huge continent that we have, don't know about, this iceberg under the, under the water, of the fact that matter is inherently alive and intelligent. And we're going to find a way to plug into that in the next hundred years. Uh, artificial intelligence helps us do that when we maybe couldn't do it on our own? 
artificial intelligence could be part of it because we're we're trying to enrich the behavior of matter when we do AI. And again, I think the thing is when they switch to using quantum computation, then it, it'll start being more like us. Because our brains are these, they're not wires, they're not chips, you know, they're, they're this, just this messy, wet stuff. And that's, when we're making computers out of that stuff, then we're going to be closer to making matter be alive and being able to talk to it. Right. You gave us the singularity idea, and I guess that would be in that realm of the discussion where what we call our technology and us sort of, I don't know, the, the, the line disappears. Uh, yes, that could be. There's a lot of things that could still happen. I mean, there could be some type of energy force that we don't know about. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's... There's a lot of hope for the future. I mean, there's, we're sort of on the cusp to these days, people, you know, you have dystopia, a lot of dystopia, this feeling that we're screwed, things are only going to get worse. We've already discovered everything good, and we're not going to find anything good ever again. <laughs> we're just going to burn through what we've got, you know, and, and then we're going to be on the floor. But, you know, there's more good stuff out there. Well, there's, there's a, that, now that is, a, is a, I think, a, a thread someone could follow. You know, that, that given whatever circumstances we see in the world today, we, we reflexively see a, a huge leap in technology as something threatening. Yes. Uh, maybe if we were living in the Enlightenment, we would have, we would have thought differently or something. Well, it's, yeah, the, the reason technology seems like threats is that often the uh, the people who are running things, you know, the military, the business, the politicians, they have this tendency to use the technology against against us, that you know, to milk, control, to control us, to get money out of us, to make us subservient and frightened, and that's not really inherently the technology that's doing that. It's, the machines can be doing good things for us too. There's an interesting new novel by Cory Doctorow called Walk Away. And his whole trip in that book is to, is to see, imagine a world where you're able to use matter assemblers and sort of like 3D printers. You can just print yourself a hamburger and, you know, it doesn't cost anything. And what if we got rid of all this scarce, scarcity? We'd be in this post-scarcity world where things aren't scarce anymore and you can get everything you need. And then at that point, do you want the same bullies, you know, to be, to be pushing you around? And, and the one percenters, they want to have, be, they're, you know, they don't like it if everybody else can get stuff. So they're, they're going to be picking on you anyway. And how can you get past that? Well, this is like the most interesting idea I've run into today is our, our, our reaction to the, the, the notion of, you know, artificial intelligence advancing in some lab and Facebook is because we're, whether consciously or not, just suspicious of Facebook. Well, sure, they're one percenters, the guys, and we, we don't like it when the one percenters get some powerful tool and we don't know what they're going to do to it, yeah. do to us with it. Um, that, that's, originally, though, that's still something great about the Internet, that everybody has it. You know, that it's still open. I mean, it sort of came out of nowhere. The government didn't really see it coming. The business didn't see it coming. And just suddenly everybody had it. There's no regulations. You don't need a license. You can post anything you want to. 
and that's still kind of untainted in a way. Yeah, it's pure. It's one of the the most pleasant surprises of the 20th century, that it sort of it got out of the box. The, the, Despite the, all of our complaints about it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, when Pandora opens the box and all this bad crap comes out, but then there's this one beautiful butterfly or something that flies out, and that's the, the free Internet. Yeah, interesting. Maybe we think of AI like that at some point, like, wow, this, this somehow this... Well, I mean, I don't know, it's going to probably take a trillion forms, who's, who's to say, but... It could be something good. I don't see why not. I mean, generally, the problem with the world is lack of intelligence. It's not a surplus of <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another way to think of it. Yeah. If it is intelligence, artificial, albeit... Yeah, I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> uh, 